So I have a uh, memory of Halloween that I wanted to share with you. I'm listening. So when I was little, I'm guessing I was around six or seven, maybe before your time. Okay. Um, so in our house, as you know, but for the listener's benefit, our parents weren't particularly uh, interested in Halloween. They thought it was a, um, you know, something that we shouldn't be partaking in for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something that was around our house. Our house was never decorated. We never went out trick-or-treating. It was just not a thing. Um, That's true. Yeah. So we used to see movies and TV and, and stuff. And, you know, the Radio Times used to change everything to be all <laughs> yeah. spooky and, you know, whatever. So we had that... that uh, what did you say? Like, spooky. Spooky. <laughs> um, I like spook. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So uh, there was a ring at the doorbell. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, our uh, our front windows in the living room uh, looked out onto the driveway, and they were sort of half hexagonal. Yeah. So there was there were two windows like on the sides that were slanted, and one the one was straight. Yeah. So um, so I asked who who is it, and uh, our mother said, I, I don't know, we're not expecting anybody. That's always their response. We're not expecting anybody, are we? <laughs> Very British. <laughs> Very British. So I went to the side window that was slanted that looked uh, out towards the front door, and I saw a figure in a very very frightening mask (laughs) and i quickly like closed the curtain ran away and that image stayed with me and it was nightmare fuel for a long time afterwards now this could have been a kid it could have been somebody not much older than me i don't know but in my mind i built it up to be like this freakishly scary figure right um so that that is my memory of halloween aside from you know the movie that we're going to talk about but uh do you have that's, any uh, memories see, of Halloween? See, see, now that's hysterical because because I I often ask myself in in the darkest hours of the night, um, what's wrong with Johnny? <laughs> what happened to him? Right, and I think that we've just heard your supervillain origin that's story, my origin story because okay. no, because because I don't really have a Halloween memory, but I have. I have memories of you forcing Halloween upon me at all all times of the year. Right. Um, I, I did. The, I did. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're going to say. I'm not, not going to tell the story. I here. will give you the platform. You can tell the story. Really? I, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely. right with that. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> um, because I mean, we're talking about like Scary twenty spooks. odd years ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. and, you know, we've we've grown up, and uh, I'm not over it. I I didn't say anybody's over it. <laughs> And I don't think that you're done rubbing your hands together gleefully over it, so... Well, I I think that things that scare you also, like, make you fascinated by them. No, that's that's the reason to watch, like, horror movies or, or, you know, to be invested in the macabre or to write short horror stories. Well, I mean, mean, that was the reason why this this thing that you're about to tell happened. I I was scared crapless of a lot of... uh, (laughs) Of a lot of these different uh, images that I saw when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, but you were a and crafty, I, psychological I, I paid it forward. Bastard. I paid it forward. Like, you used to take... You used to get into my brain. Because here's the thing. There was a lead-up to these things. Okay, so I'll set the stage for you. Oh, I'm... I want to say five or six, right? Young. Okay? Okay. You're old enough to know better. Right. right. I would have been like 12 or 13. Something like that. No, you must have been older then, maybe. Because you went to the Harlequin to get... Um, this clown mask. That's where you. No, the clown mask I got on uh, on the trip to uh, Stratford on Avon. So did you? Our get father the, took the scary, me to a... the scream costume from the Harlequin. Then no, was these were it? these were two different. Jesus Christ! <laughs> these were two different occasions. Okay, so so there's okay, fine. You got you got this this okay. So he comes back from somewhere. It doesn't really matter. Who cares? This is my story. Okay, I'll tell it from my perspective. So we're like you know, um, in his bedroom. 
whatever. And Johnny sort of like takes this this thing out of a bag, and it's this grey latex um, mask with like you know very big lips. Um, you know, the, obviously there's no eyes because the eye holes, whatever, and tufts of it hair. It was freaky. It was I, really scary. I want to give scary, you the background to that. So our father took me to a trade show in Stratford-on-Avon, right? Uh, that's the trip where we listened to Jasper Carrot all the way. Right. Um, and um, so th- he was into uh, uh, haberdashery, zips and threads and things like that that he would sell wholesale to other businesses. He wasn't into it. That was his no, That profession. was his job. That was his job. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he had a stall with all kinds of boring shit like that. And, uh, I gravitated towards the guy who was selling the latex masks. And for some reason, I don't know, extremely out of character for him. He bought me that mask. This was something he was with you when you, but I don't believe it because I was little, I was oh not like, goodness. I, I would say that I was, look, if the, 12 the, the or thing, 13 then. the thing that, no, but the thing that happened may have happened quite a few years after I actually physically acquired. Mm, I don't the think mask. so. But, uh, maybe, but like, here's what, so here's what happened. So you, you take it out and you put it on your hand and you go, what do you, uh, what do you think of this, Simon? And I'm like, oh, it's scary. And you're like, yeah, it is scary. And you like put it up on that shelf. Like it was very high up shelf. And it's like sitting there. It's like standing up, like so upright. L- listen to how and... depraved this is. The shelf had all my soft toys on it. Okay, hang on a minute. <laughs> so okay. the mask was This sitting. is slightly more sinister now, right? And more worrying because it feels like they're all sitting there scared next to the mask, right? Now here's what happens. I'm about to leave the bedroom and you go, oh, and Simon, it knows things. <laughs> <laughs> so so then one night our parents went out and I don't know you you were definitely old enough to babysit me this is this must have been a few years later right, right? and they they're like be good they go out you say be good, you say like not. you know do you want to watch a film and I'm like yes and you're like anything you want right you're being the lovely older brother right little did I know that you had something up your sleeve and you're like do you want to watch it in the dark right yeah all right and you put on I don't know like a film for me whatever and I'm sitting in the dark and I'm watching it and suddenly I hear this you know thumping coming down the stairs behind me and it's like <sighs> And it's like this grunting sound that you, you you committed to this so well with the shuffling feet and whatever. Obviously, true horror movie fashion, I turn off the film and I go, hello? Right? Honestly, no survival instincts on this child. You're going to have to give some geography here. The, uh, the partition between the living room and the kitchen. <laughs> right. So there's like... There's like a little bit of a gap, like a hallway between like the kitchen and um, the... Uh, the stairs area, which is where the the ghoulish clown was coming down the stairs from, uh, which leads into the living room. And if you if you go out of the living room into the kitchen and back through the hallway, that kind of creates a sort of circular yeah, thing. Yeah, you can go behind the living room into the kitchen. Absolutely. Basically. And Jonathan um, comes down the stairs, um, and uh, you know after a few starts and stops with the movie, he really commits to this. Um, and, and what you did next was, I thought, evil incarnate was. You just sort of stood there silhouetted against the windows that we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I know that it's you in the clown mask, but it had come to life for me. And you had your back to me and you had like this sort of shambling gait that you were affecting, right? <laughs> to complete the picture of terror. And, you know, I'm like, Jonathan. Like, absolutely terrified, shrinking back into the chair. And you turn around with this... Mm-hmm. 
and you like started chasing me around the house as me screaming and then you know I ran up into my bedroom and like closed the door and you're like going up the stairs behind me so just so you understand we're very very good friends now wow. but he's going to get it back at some point. Oh, I've got two kids. Be, <laughs> I think you've had it bang, yeah. Um, I, uh, I, every time you tell that story, um, I, I, you know, that that's just, that's horrifying. <laughs> the thing is, I was right? A little shit. The thing is, right? I can tell from your face that you are really upset with yourself <laughs> and you feel really sorry for I'm me. highly so uncomfortable. Something... If my son did that to my daughter, I would, um, I would be very angry with him. What's our seat number? Hello and welcome to What's Our Seat Number, the show where we ask questions like What's Our Seat Number? and others. Lovely, that's great. (laughs) I'm Johnny Gross. And I am Simon Gross. So why are you talking to me about Halloween? Because it is October. Oh, it is, is it? It is indeed October. And tonight we have chosen a movie. Uh, we, we talked about maybe going for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, perhaps doing something uh, spooky. Spook. Uh, we chose Hocus Pocus. I'm so excited. I love this film. This is a great movie. It is in the grand tradition of movies like The Addams Family and Beetlejuice and things like that that are kind of kid-oriented mm. but uh, have a certain darkness to them and uh, a sort of black uh, black supernatural comedy, which I enjoy. Um, do you it's, wanna... it's just so much fun. I have, I have a lot... Just for context, because we like to do... Um, yeah, like we, t- we talk about like what our history is with, with the film. Right. But j- before we do that, I love this movie. It holds up really well. Like, this isn't like The Phantom, where I haven't seen it for, like, lots and lots of years. Like, I, I do watch, try to watch this, like, once a year. Yeah, we, I, I um, try to watch it once a year it's, as well, yeah. It's just so fun. But it's it has so been a fun. very long time since I've watched it with you. Yeah, no, we haven't watched it together, which is which is what, um you know, I think makes this very special. But I I remember watching it in your... We, we talk, we've talked about this before, about how you had this TV in your bedroom, like, above your yeah. bed. And we used to watch movies on that together. And I remember watching this in your bedroom right. um, and loving it. And I, and, and I also remember my earliest memory of this movie is at one of your birthday parties where they... Uh, you you you, ha- you had a birthday party at our house where you, mm-hmm. you watched the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. And I don't remember that at all. I do. And, and the reason I remember it so well... Is because I don't know if you ever have this, and I'm curious about whether people who who are listening, if they have this as well. But you have a memory of a movie, and sometimes you 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 still to this day you have images of it, but you don't know what that movie is. And then one day you'll see that movie on TV, or you'll watch it with someone, and you'll that memory will come back, and you'll go, "This is what that's from." And I remember the opening scene where you know you it's the credits, and you see the witch flying over. The water and over the right. the uh, the woods, and you see her shadow, um, and I remember that being very sort of like affecting for me, and I, I I remembered it, and then when we watched it again in later years, I was like, that filled in the the blanks for me. So, I I've, I remember this like from a very very early age. So I remember um, I don't remember if uh, if it, if I ever saw it on video. I think I did. I saw it on video first. Though we yeah. rented it. Um, and that was probably the birthday party. But when I saw it again on TV, they had cut it so much to shit 
that yeah. um, there were things that just didn't make sense anymore. They, like continuity be damned. We're just going to cut this stuff because we're showing it for, before the watershed. Um, what is the watershed? Uh, for those so, who don't know. Okay, so uh, in the UK at nine o'clock, they would um, uh, it was called the watershed, and that's when they'd start showing all the adult stuff. Yeah. And anything before that. For example, um, you know, if they would show on BBC, they'd show uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, uh, which was already cut to shit by the BBFC um, on on regular VHS. Uh, on BBC, it would be extremely, you know, snipped up. Just all the angry letters that you can imagine coming right. in from the parents. Yeah, all the angry letters to Ofcom. Um, and then they'd have like uh, you know Terry Wogan on points of view. <laughs> we had angry letters today to points of view about the showing on BBC One of Hocus Pocus. Anyway, um, Hocus it sounded Pocus. like it actually sounded like Roger Moore just a then, little but bit. Never mind. But no, um, there was Wogan in there too. There was fine. Wogan. Hello, Hello. and welcome Wogan. to points to points of view. Pawns uh, of view. Pawns of view. Yes, <laughs> pawns of view. There you go. There's a there's a new niche for you. Love it. Um, so uh, so yeah. Maybe so that's the show we should be doing. Really. So the. <laughs> So the um, so the beginning sequence they had uh, they had the witches running towards the front door, and then they cut straight to the yeah. present day. Yeah. So the entire hanging sequence was cut out, and I remember going in, in the same way that you think about an image that you uh, that you saw when you were when you were younger and you couldn't place it or whatever. Um, I, I always remembered the hanging sequence, and I was like, shouldn't there be something there? Like, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it is quite dark, and I remember. Um, when I, I bought this on Blu-ray a couple of years ago, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, like, this is quite dark for a kids' movie. Um, and, and you just think about it that, like, in the in the eighties and nineties, kids' movies just used to be more, you know, frightening, more violent, more. But I'm just very happy that they committed to so much of what they did. Like, right? There's... I mean, it is rated PG. It's for older kids, but. Um... But it's it's dark and it's also really funny and there's so much layering and the performances of right. the three main the witches are it's so fucking good. They are also very individual. I, yeah. I think that each one has its own personality, like each character, um, and uh, the, like I I love that. I think the I think they're brilliant, especially Bette Midler, obviously. But oh, yeah. uh, but we'll the other two, yeah. Um, so I was gonna say something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we were talking about the uh, the watershed and whatnot. Yeah. Hold on. Fuck. That they were cutting things and that they were the yeah. and they cut the thing with the hanging. Yes. Didn't yeah. you finish that train of thought? I did. There was something else. <laughs> sure, this will get cut. We're we're fine. We're fine. We're all good. Um, okay, so would you like to play the tagline game? I would love to play the tagline okay, game. Okay, this is before we're going to go watch the movie. This is a, a new thing that we're going to do. We tried to do it the first time, but... Um... Simon didn't understand what we were doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but this time I've decided to give you three options. Mm-hmm. And you are going to pick from those options which is the correct tagline. Now, I'm slightly buggered with this particular movie, and you'll see why in a minute. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> um... We also, we haven't done the intro. We can do the intro when we go and see the movie. Ah, but it's, it's you know, it's been 14 minutes, 15 minutes. I'm sure they'll wait. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a Bond movie. Like, you know, it's coming. Okay. Like, even if it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> right. Okay. In Stranger Things, sometimes they do it in the middle of the episode. Okay. So I'm going to give you four taglines here. So that there's a... You said three. I said three, but I'm going to give you change four. Change your mind. Okay. Yeah, change your mind. As long as you're consistent. Okay. Welcome to the witching hour. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Okay. Okay. Spend the weekend with the girls. Okay. There's a little witch in every woman. Okay. Something wicked this way comes. 
is any of that the tagline to Hocus Pocus? Well, let me let me pile on for a moment because I also came prepared for the tagline game. <laughs> now, there's nothing written on this piece of paper, but the viewers can't see me open up my phone. So, for dramatic effect, I'm rustling a piece of paper Drop so they think page. I've written it down. Drop right? page. Now, <clears throat> now, I I've I've come up with some taglines of my own because I, I there's no way I'm going to remember all of those. So I'm just going to muddle these in with the rest <laughs> of them. Ready? Okay. Thou wouldst hate them in the morning. <laughs> one night to take sweet revenge get it because it's halloween and they're sweets mm-hmm. lovely wicked witchcraft oh yeah not so good but right. fine these sisters are no act <laughs> like sister act okay they may be dead but they haven't lost their touch okay some of these are good what you want all right me? very all right, good. so one of those that you have is the real one actually not and I will tell you why. So the first one, welcome to the witching hour and spend the weekend with the girls, is the craft. Okay. Okay. The second one, there's a little witch in every woman, is practical magic. Okay. And the third one, something wicked this way comes, I is think I know that one. the witches of Eastwick. Oh, no, I didn't know that one. Okay. Now, the reason why I didn't give you the actual tagline is because the actual tagline is, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. And I was... at least I had the good decency to come up with some of my own. Right. So... They didn't even bother. They just took a line from the film. Exactly. I was looking through um <laughs> I was looking on the internet today, trying to find <laughs> and all of these other movies had like three or four taglines each. Yeah. With different posters. And this one just had the one. It's just a bunch <laughs> of hocus pocus. So there was really nothing I could do. So yeah. Um Oh, I see why you didn't say it to me, because I would have just gotten it straight away. What do you mean you would have gotten it? The title is in the tagline. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, but also there's a little bit of misdirection there, because you could have put that in, saying, oh, I'm just going to take the line from the movie, and I would have gone, hmm, maybe he's being crafty. So you could have thrown it in. No, I'm not that stupid. No, No. I don't think so. Thank you for the credit, though. I appreciate you giving me more credit (laughs) than I gave myself. Lovely. Appreciate it. You're making up for the clown mask story as we speak. (laughs) Okay. So... I think we should go and watch the movie. What do you say? Roll it. <laughs> okay, so what did we think of Hocus Pocus? I still love it. Brilliant. I'm very happy that we did that. That's like, um... I know, it just makes me feel happy every time I watch that movie. I laughed all the way through. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about, because um, I think that there is definitely... It's not even an element of nostalgia, it's all nostalgia. nostalgia. Because um, there's a couple of things that struck me while we watched that. First of all, there is a definite Disney Channel feel to it. Mm -hmm. Um, A kind of TV quality. And and you know, like nowadays, TV and, and cinema are very... You know, the lines are blurred. Okay. Uh, but back in the 90s, uh, you know, I, I kept thinking about um, Eerie Indiana, mainly because yeah. Henri Katz was Henry in Katz, yeah. <laughs> Eerie Indiana. Um, and that, that's also like quite, you know, that's a nostalgia trip because I'm sure if I watched an episode today, I'd be like, my kids are going to hate this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's definitely of its time. Um, I, similar situation with Quantum Leap as well. Um, Quantum Leap's awesome. I Quantum Leap you... is awesome, but there's definitely a uh, an '80s cheese to it that um, it's not it's not up to the standard of today's TV. It's definitely you have to have been there, mm-hmm. you know, kneeling in front of the TV in the kitchen with your face pressed right up against right, it, yeah. you know, watching it's it on static, Channel Four at six yeah. PM. Fair enough. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that was the good times. Good times. So, what struck me when watching this was that uh, it's definitely not aimed at us. No, it's not aimed at, at men in their mid to late thirties. Um, and it reminded me of the time when we went to see Enchanted. Do you remember that? Yeah. And we were surrounded by teenage girls yeah, yeah, and they were all looking at us and yeah. we felt extremely self-conscious. But we enjoyed that when we watched that. It was a fun movie. But that was the thing. Your wife was sitting watching uh, Hocus Pocus with us now, at least for the first 15 minutes or so. Yeah. And uh, and I felt self-conscious all of a sudden. So because, I. I mean, there was no... It's, it, it's like when you watch something, um, you know, I'm a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And Sai is a as a three D graphic designer. Uh, no, did I just say that? Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I'm a filmmaker. Go again. Okay, so I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> what do you want me to say? What I am? Are you having trouble with this? I don't do you know why? To... <laughs> Fallen to pieces since finishing this film, haven't you? Yeah, it's really affected me. <laughs> oh, I'm okay. a three D artist. It's very yeah, simple. Well, I, I just I don't know why I said graphic designer. I'm gonna cut this bit out. Don't why? Well, why? it's 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 coming out. You... <laughs> okay. So you were so, saying. So I was saying that, self-conscious. Yeah, I was saying that, like you know, as a filmmaker, when you when you create something, when you edit something, you put it together, and uh, somebody else watches it, you you've seen it a thousand times, mm-hmm. um, over and over and over again, and you believe that what you've done is the right way to edit it and then mm-hmm. you see it through the other person's eyes yeah and suddenly you start seeing all of the all the flaws and, yeah you know all the things that you could have done better um which is you know which is why you need to show your work to other people um but uh but yeah so when we sat down to watch this i was thinking to myself is she thinking that we're like you know really immature for like for liking this movie it's um, a, it's aimed at, at teenage girls. It I is. I think even in even at the time, it was aimed at teenage girls. Um, first of all, I don't agree. I think that it's aimed at whoever's going to enjoy it. I think that. Um, well, I mean, yeah, it's sh- a family she's, film. She's not. I don't think that she was um, judging us. She knows that um, we have a lot of movies that are based in nostalgia. Right, for us, which which so again reinforces like a... the point that you had to be there. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering how much of the. I mean, I, I definitely saw th- some things. It's not exactly you know high art it's really different when you're watching a movie in the context of reviewing it afterwards because yeah. you you're using a different set of eyes like right. i'm i'm for the first time i was noticing a lot of things with the visual effects in the movie um that i've never noticed before but i have seen it as a visual effects artist before so it's like really interesting when you it's it's kind of like um wearing the right hat like when you you know right. you, you, when you're when you're looking at it in a more professional context so you'll see different things but to the point of because you brought it up oh god does this mean that we're going to start ruining movies for ourselves well again i i don't think that um because i didn't you think were about any of me, this stuff when i saw this a couple of years ago no but you were talking to me about um the uh the bond and friends podcast and how you know it's ruining the movies for you to hear it shout out shout out to them go have a listen um but the you know that i i disagree i i don't think that there's anything ruined by i i was watching um ghostbusters with shosh uh my wife and uh you know i'd said to her like i love this movie and you know please try and like it you know <laughs> you know like really like the thing on her and she it is a phenomenon because uh because when Mich, my wife watches something that i dearly dearly love and she starts ripping it apart it it really affects me so that's what i'm saying is that um it is i stopped us uh i think 
about 25 minutes into the movie because I could just get the vibe from her that she wasn't enjoying it. So, like, I mean, the Phantom I, think, I can understand. <laughs> no, no, no. The, but what I'm trying to say is that um, when something is of its time, you cannot expect somebody else to enjoy it in the same time capsule way that you do. Right. Um, and the same way that when you're watching something that's in that time capsule with a different... Um, I feel like I'm saying capsule wrong. <laughs> capsule. The time capsule. I know, I said it funny. I don't know why. It's completely thrown me off. <laughs> that's that's a very, very um, niche reference there. That's Day of the Tentacle <laughs> for anybody. The time who, capsule. The, anybody that grew up in the 90s. So I think I'm saying it weird. Um, yeah, so basically when you, when you then take that thing that you're looking... And you're looking at it with a critical eye. So I don't necessarily think that it ruins it. I just think it's... Um, um, it, it's a very interesting thing to go through, but, um... To go through. <laughs> it's not exactly, like... No, like, it's it's an interesting experience. Like, right. it's a it's a thing that makes you, makes you sort of experience the movie in a different way. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, right. But also, I knew that she wasn't going to like it, because it's just, like, not her thing. Right, um, okay. So, the beginning is, is I think, um, I love it, because it's a great, like, um introduction to Bette Midler and, and, and the like just her the way she comes out the she opens the window and she goes you know another glorious morning so so that's the thing we open up in the 16 somethings right yeah exactly um, 300 years into the past right okay so maybe, maybe not the 16 somethings yeah yeah, yeah. yeah okay 16, you were right my, my, you had it yeah okay you're good oh, I'm good okay it's um it's 11 o'clock at night we're tired Anyway, shit, is it 11 o'clock? It's 11 o'clock. Fuck me. Yeah, because we did an intro and then we. Well, this is the only time that we can do this. We never. Making popcorn. Watching popcorn. This is going to be great. I can feel that this one. You said you you wanted to be be drunk for this, so, uh, you know, maybe (laughs) maybe we should. I didn't say I wanted to be drunk. I said that we should drink. Right, and that's a desire, is it not? That you would desire no, to I, drink, I therefore be drunk. Be drunk. <laughs> I just thought that we should drink and see how it so improves. So drunk? <laughs> anyway, back yeah. on track. Yeah, so, um, we, so we open in the 16-somethings, yeah. and um, uh, the uh, the design of this movie, it's all sets, obviously, um, but it's, I just, I love the style, I love that, that kind of, you know, sleeping beauty kind of um, yeah. old witch's house in the, in, you know, like the, the cottage in the woods. Um, the design and, of that set is fantastic. I right. really like it. And there's there's character all over it. Um, they said that they, the guy who who was in charge of it said that they actually built the house. Right. Like something That's... like that. It's like just really interesting to me that instead of just building the interior um, bits that they're going to use, he was like, you could actually take this house and put it on a hill somewhere and you could live in it. it and then he added, I think at the end, they're like, if you're not normal. Right, <laughs> I thought it was really funny, but I, I just really like that they they did that because it it just adds that extra layer of like I'm not at any point going you know this is on a soundstage, right? But it's like it's heightened. I I I really I really like that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And the music that accompanies it, John Debney's music. Um, I, I'm not sure that I could hum it, but while you're watching it, it gives you that feeling of uh, you know that sort of sort of supernatural black comedy kind of feel. Very like, Adam's uh, family. Adam's family, Casper, you mm-hmm. know that kind of thing. That sort of uh, you know like it's 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 uh, it's supernatural, but it's it's safe and it's fun and it's fun. Yeah, like there's um, a it's a twinkle. I like to sort of yeah, think it's, like it's, it's very Tim Burtony, I guess. Yeah. Like, I think Danny Elfman probably pioneered that kind of uh, that kind of thing. That sort of 
somehow been um, uh, in the same way that adventure music has a very specific feel to yeah. it, but it's somehow been identified with that genre. Um, it's kind of a subgenre as well. If you, if you've already brought up like the Adams family and and Tim uh, Tim Burton, is that um, just for frame of reference for people who haven't seen this movie and don't really know when it came out it was in 93 and it was the same year as like nightmare before christmas and adam's family values and other movies of the ilk right so it's like if you've seen those movies like it's just a the music does have a very similar vibe to those as well right it also reminded me of the frighteners which came out a few years later also a very good film we should do that yeah. on one of these yeah because that movie still scares the pants off me. Just really? So you know. Yeah, I find I find serial killers to be particularly creepy, and the guy who plays um, I can't remember his name, but the the so it's, uh, it's I believe it's Jake Busey. Yeah, it's Gary he, Busey's he's son. Really, really creepy, and he's got really. Well, creepy I mean, he's eyes. Gary Busey's. <laughs> and yeah, and no, I just like it's it just terrifies me. Anyway, on, right. onwards and upwards. Right. Um, but that also reminds me of uh, of frequency as well. That there's like a very dark stretch in that movie that. Um, there's this whole thing about, you know, that they're talking that the son and the, the father and the son, the father's died in a fire in the uh, yeah, yeah. 60s, 70s. Uh, and the son in the present day that's uh, that's sort of been able to tune him in on a on a on a radio yeah. um, and he's talking to him in the past. And then um, it, this whole story of like how their mother died um, unfolds with this, uh, this serial killer going around, uh, you know, in the 70s, like uh, like killing nurses and that like. You know, the movie itself is, is a little bit vanilla, even with that plot, um, you know, the sort of uh, the time travel plot. Um, but, but then the you get to the serial killer part really of it and suddenly creepy. it comes alive. Yeah, yeah. it's really creepy. I, I, I find that movie also to be very affecting, but um, it, neither here nor there. The, yeah. the, the thing that I wanted to um, talk about was, was just how, like, sucked in I was immediately. Like, it's really easy for me to slip slip on this movie like a, like a pair of slippers. You know, it's just like really really comfortable to sit down and watch it and as soon as um as soon as the sisters start bantering like i'm in it it's just got a lot of those things that are very familiar to movies of that time and you know like i was thinking in in the scene in the present day where he's um uh you know riding home on a bike right right and you've got that music that's actually very if we're already talking about music that's typical amongst movies from that time or, or, you know, throughout movies, um, it's, it's, it sounds like a kid riding on his bike music, <laughs> you know, like, there's right. A, that's what uh, I, I was thinking that as well. That's like, I was thinking that's very nineties. It also reminds me of yeah. Jumanji, like the beginning of Jumanji exactly. when, uh, when, when Alan's riding, riding yeah. home, it's very, very similar kind of, uh, kind of, I, I was trying to remember what other movies there are that are like that. So it's, it's really interesting that you say Jumanji because <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't bring it up. It didn't come to mind. Um, before so, we move on to the, uh, yeah, before, before you go there, yeah. I, I was just going to say. <laughs> I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say. Um, so uh, yeah, to, in, on the on the subject of nostalgia, I'm very interested to watch uh, Monster Squad with you because that is a movie that for a lot of people is the horror movie that they watched when they were kids because it's sort of borderline. It's kind of PG thirteen, but uh, you know there are some scary bits in it, but it's also very much aimed at kids. Um, so for a lot of people, I think mostly in the states because I don't think we had it in England. I don't think. It was very successful in England, and even if it was, I think it was rated fifteen. But you know, I haven't seen it. Right. All right. Okay. I've seen it. I only saw it like recently. For um, the first time. For the first time, yeah. Um, Interesting. I bought it on Blu-ray. Um, 
because I have this thing about collecting 80s movies. Um, but like we we didn't grow up with that movie, so it's it would be interesting to... Uh, I mean, I have my own views on it, but it'd be interesting to hear what you think. Oh, okay, so put that on the list. Yeah, yeah, that's on the list. Um, <laughs> so I, I know that this is going to sound silly, but um, I... I really like how dark the opening of the movie is. Um, yeah, it's it's peppered with comedy though. It's like, yeah, it's... it's it never goes over the edge. Right, but like there are some really dark things going on there. Like, um, you know, first they're, of all, they're murdering a child. They're murdering a child, yeah. and by the way, when all of the villagers come knocking on the door, the child's hair has gone grey. Like, I don't know if you noticed that, but they cover her body up I, with I a I vaguely remember that I had seen that before, but I didn't notice it this time because I kept pulling out my phone to make notes. Right. So <laughs> her, her hair had gone grey, and I was like, they, they literally just, like, sucked her dry, like, aged her. like, And that's uh, they sucked away her youth, and that's... um. That's really dark for the beginning of a of a Disney movie. Like that's right. really really dark, um, and I love it. Like I really like that, and I I love. I, I think the... that kids movies should have a streak of darkness to them. Um, that if you watch, this is the thing. I'm much more conscious of it now because because my son is uh, three and a half, nearly yeah. four. When I choose something for him to watch, I'm very sensitive to it because I I know that he wakes up in the middle of the night having nightmares about the fact that you know. Yeah mummy tried to bath him right you know and and that's this that's a very base level right there you know once he starts to see things these images that are really fucking scary then he's going to be waking up in the night screaming about that so i don't want to give him nightmare fuel uh but i'm you know a lot of the disney movies are extremely there there are certain things in there that i'm like no i don't want to show that to my child i don't want to see this avert your eyes and it's a disney movie so um you know when he gets a little bit older I think that uh, it's healthy. It's healthy to. Well, get I wouldn't. I wouldn't show this to him now. But like, well, I, I'm, I'm. I'm thinking like about. And I was thinking about this because last week uh, when we were talking about No Time to Die, we were talking about um, you know, the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde thing from the Page Master. Yes. Um, and that was that was the mug, by the way. That was the mug. I well, yeah. I wasn't farting. Can you? I you can't, can't replicate it, and that's part <laughs> of the problem. Is that like now? Now I can't prove it. I'm, these are highly sensitive mics. He would have had to literally get up on the chair and stick his butt in the mic. <laughs> Which would have been a neat trick had I been, yeah. done it whilst I was trying Talking. to say something. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. No, I just I just had to Jim Carrey talking out of his ass. Kind of I'd like to ask you a few questions. So yeah. I, thought, I thought there was... Um, um, an interesting thing that came up in my brain when we were talking about the Page Master Dr. Jekyll thing is all of the different movies as a kid that used to scare me or, you know, that I was afraid of things like Sleepy Hollow and the, the Headless Horseman. I was, I was very, like, obsessed with that and that, that would scare right. the crap out of me. I actually remember the first time that we watched that together and it was actually, I think, one of the first real proper horror movies that I watched. But um, even then, it's not like a real proper horror movie. No, but for me it was. Right, how I'd old never, were you? I was 13. I, I hadn't like really watched it. I remember anything. you watched it from behind a cushion. No, 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 no. Not... What was that? Um, I don't remember, but it wasn't Sleepy Hollow. There was a movie that you watched from behind a cushion. Was it Scream? Really? I showed you Scream. It, it, it doesn't matter. Okay. The point is, is that the... Uh, the, the I was... I was thinking about this, and I was like, would I trade in the fear of those movies, 
like to not have them anymore for for anything. And I'm like, no, because I think that it's really really healthy for you to have that kind of jolt. It's really good for it's you. It's safe fear. Yeah, I think so. It's not like actual scary things like, you know, that trailer that you sent me the other day of the stranger coming out of the van and Ethan Hawke kidnaps someone. The black phone? Yeah. That looks absolutely awesome. It does. And the thing is... I really want to go and see it in the cinema. The beginning of that trailer where, you know, Ethan Hawke comes out of the the van and obviously kidnaps this kid right is terrifying to me as an adult with a child like that's real scary right. stuff right? right that is that so this is like fake scary and i think it's okay for children to be scared of this stuff. but the the beginning of the movie is really dark um i think that all three of the leads are in that scene as well this is when they're being hung it's so funny i i, I we were talking about this during um, which is why we should at some point do a watch along because yeah. it'll just it'll just save this part. Yeah. Um, but Sarah Jessica Parker, I I never really paid attention, but she's absolutely brilliant. In this she movie. is. She's a she's electric. Like all the way she's through, got she's... like a, she's got the comedy bone, yeah. which I don't. I mean, Sex in the City, fine, but I I don't see that she exercised that slapstick muscle as much as she does in this movie. I think she was just super excited because from interviews. Um, she was just really excited to be working with Bette Midler. Like, like they say how excited they were to work with her, and I think also Kathy Jimmy says in one of her interviews that she worked that into her performance. Like, you know, you can kind of see it how she's like, right. you know, at the beginning, she's like, I'll take this for you. I, you're, it's very heavy. You're being busy. I'll take this. You know, she's like being very sort of like sycophantic and, right. you know, whatever. So I, I think that that's like, um, it's really, really cool that Sarah Jessica Parker is always, she's always looking at something or reacting to something. She's never just standing there. And, and and I know that that's like, that's what she's supposed to be doing is acting, but she's always in character. Like I, I never see Sarah Jessica Parker. Like it's really interesting just like how um, into it she is. But all three of them, also Bette Midler is really funny. So that's movie. the thing. I was, um, it's interesting. You, you know how they talk about chemistry? Yeah. Um, you know, between actors that like if an actor's in a relationship with another actor, they have yeah. zero chemistry on screen or whatever it is. But um I can see I can tell a lot of times when an actor isn't into what they're doing. Um and uh for example, uh, Daniel Craig in Spectre, he's bored. Yeah, okay. You know, and uh, Sean Connery and you only live twice, he's bored. Uh, you know, you, there there are certain there are certain places where I can sort of put my finger on it and go, okay, and they're phoning that, it in. That that one doesn't want to be there. Um, but uh, but reading reading up on this movie before we watched it, I saw that Bette Midler was extremely like she really enjoyed herself playing this role, and yeah. she couldn't wait to come back and do it again for the sequel. Um, so that coloured my experience of watching her in this uh, in this viewing because you could tell that she was really relishing yeah. chewing that scenery with those big buck teeth, you know, like really hamming it up. She did such a good job. I, I Just like every delivery, like you were talking about how towards the end, like her accent kind of slips and I'm like, I don't really I, you know, care. It's not slipping. She's doing it on purpose, yeah. but I'm trying to figure out like, I mean, aside from the joke, I was trying to figure out why um, logically she's doing it. Cause there are a lot of very, um, intricate details that are woven into this silly family movie. Well, the way that but, I um, read it was that she, I'm sorry, I was going to say, yeah. uh, the, the way that <laughs> I, I read say. it, the way that I read it is that um, she's sort of getting a grip with, getting to grips with the time that she's in. Right. I mean, there know? are there are a few plot holes and logic lapses in Just this movie. Just a couple. Just a couple. But I, I, 
I only noticed them because we were we were looking at looking at this movie with a critical eye, and I've never yeah. really paid any attention to it before because I'm just having too much fun. I don't care. Um, and sometimes that's that's okay. I mean, the, the you know we we were talking about how the light fluctuates at five o'clock in the morning in the in the final yeah. act. Um, that it's morning and then suddenly it's dark again and then the sun comes up and like it's, sort of it's like the it's as, as the esque sun coming up exactly the, the the camera flies over the rooftops and you can clearly see that the sky is like turning that that early morning blue yeah you know and um, and then like as they burst out of the house like I'm gonna say. 15 minutes later not in the movie but in their time you know just like the full moon is up <laughs> pitch black full darkness. yeah so whatever but there's a, there's a discrepancy of that in the beginning as well she says another glorious morning and then it's and night. then it's like nighttime and all yeah. the villagers have arrived now yeah. i'm i'm not really willing to believe that it took them a whole day to brew a potion but i'm not a witch so what do i know true um but that was another thing that i was talking about earlier about me my wife um ruining certain things for me that we watched Die Hard first of all like disclaimer Die Hard is one of her favorite movies now mm-hmm. every time I say do you want to watch a movie she's like Die Hard I'm like sweetheart we can't watch Die Hard again we can't watch it every single night what's wrong with you that's what? not the answer you give to shall we watch Die Hard again <laughs> Die well, Hard every single time well, we have watched it many times together um, but she pointed out that uh, because there's a static backdrop behind Holly in her office that is perpetually in sunset mode yeah so the sunset in the beginning of the movie goes on and on and on yeah. for about 20 minutes that's a very famous gripe though it's a famous gripe i'd never heard of it before she I, she uh, brought it up and i've never noticed it before because I've heard I'm, it, i don't care i've heard it brought up several times you know what they say if you, right. if you if you notice it, it you know it serves you right um <laughs> right no like because you're, you're looking for continuity mistakes and then you know who's who's to blame that you can't think of anything else when you watch that now be- right. you know, because that's what you're noticing um but uh but yeah i mean th- that has ruined that opening for me <laughs> i mean not ruined it but i am aware of it i don't think i don't think that um the stuff with the the time discrepancies in this movie really bothered me that much it's just something i noticed because obviously i was right. paying attention to it right no um, but i i guess i've got to um take into account that if we're going to dissect these movies then they're going to get we're gonna dissected. see stuff yeah. yeah but just to point out even though we're criticizing elements of it we really do like this movie i really yeah, enjoyed watching of course. it like the, i mean it's 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 out of uh, affection for but it but i'll tell you what what really bugged me was the bullies because they you, were you mean bebop and rocksteady yeah. so <laughs> it's a 90s staple no, it's know. also uh, his in power rangers as well it's the same thing i don't I know, know. His, where his... that trope came from but it just kept coming back and wouldn't fucking go away would it the blonde kid the the laugh is just too much for I, me. I just i love that bit where he says <laughs> his name's ice and then he points to the back of his yeah, head like that. ice um what was i gonna say the yeah, I just I just think that the bullies are a little over the top, and and that I think maybe that was a um, consequence of Shosh sitting next to me. Like again, like you know, watching right. watching the movie through someone else's eyes. Like you know, oh, his laugh is probably annoying her, right? Yeah, we we have to learn to tune that out. I guess we also I think we just have to say to her, bugger off <laughs> <laughs> in your own house. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, um, I really like the book. I know that this is going to be, um, it's going to be kind of weird, but the, the, it looks very plasticky, but the animatronic eye and the I way that it, it like plasticky. opens, opens its eye like really sleepily, like every time it opens right. the eye. 
It reminds me of the Necronomicon. Yeah, and it's bound with, like, human skin, but if you look at the spine, it's all fingers. It's like the spine oh, is fingers. Oh, I'm going to have to and, look at that again. Yeah, and, and I was like... Uh, Hold on one second, I'm putting it up on Google Images. Okay. No, but it, 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 but it's, um, it was just one of those things that I noticed, and I was like, the design on this movie is like, there's a lot of things taken into account. That's what I was saying, you, it's very intricate. When you look at the um, present day version of the Sanderson house, right, and they go in there, there there's little things, like, you know, the, the fact that there's like a stand with all these lighters... Right, is like it's a museum oh, yeah. exhibit. Yeah, it's fingers. That's it is awesome. fingers. But what I was saying is that I was just going to say the <laughs> the um. Do you want to explain that just <laughs> so people? Just, we've been listening to the Bond and Friends podcast a lot. Shout out. So and... I I just got a hearing aid, and uh, my hearing aid I've got only like thirty percent hearing loss. It's not such a big deal, but it improves I... my quality of life. Um. So uh. So my hearing aid uh is Bluetooth um. Uh, enabled. He's basically the bionic man. <laughs> right. So, so I'm. Uh, so my wife doesn't doesn't know when I'm listening to a podcast or not. So I'm always like walking around with somebody talking in my ear, and she says something to me, and I'm like, "What?" She's like, "Didn't didn't you just get a hearing aid? Aren't you supposed to be able to hear yes, me?" Yes, but I'm using it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I've been listening to these podcasts on a loop, and I'm noticing all of these. So, yeah, so whenever it's like these, it's usually about five people, and they're all talking about a Bond movie, and they're all giddy, and they're all excited, and they've all got all this trivia that they want to get out, and sometimes they cut across each other, and when they do, they go, "Sorry, I was just gonna say," and it's like it's almost like they've all coordinated it ahead of time. It's so polite, it's so very uh, cordial. Anyway, very British. I was just gonna say, yeah, <laughs> that um, the the Sanderson house when it's you know in 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 its museum form is covered in cobwebs. They've got this stand with all the lighters on it and the, the postcards. broom cupboard, the postcards. They've got a broom cupboard with like a Hoover and you know other stuff, <laughs> more modern like things. And it's it's all really well thought out, and I, I really like it. And it's um, it I, just I, goes to show that they took some time to think about it. I love the gag with the Hoover. I love it. I do too. But and the, and the way that it like pays off at the end. Yeah. With the, oh, with more the soda cord. for me. Oh, thank you. Soda. Soda, finally. Um. Yeah, a little bit of ASMR for you. So basically, I, I'd like to jump just like ahead to when they brought the sisters back, right? Oh. And we first meet Zachary Binks. Thackeray. Thackeray. I meant Thackeray. Yes. But it always sounds like because they're, you know, they've got these teeth, or she's got these, Thackeray. Sounds like she's saying Zachary. Thackeray. Um, oh, I'm sorry, you've got your little notes in front of you. Well, uh, what, were you going to say the, something? No, 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 I'm... I'm uh... Have I disturbed you in the middle of... No, no, no. No, because, no, I mean, I'm talking and you're just sort of you're reading it. Can I, am I, can I uh, leave you two alone? No, no, you, you go ahead. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like the, the, the um, uh, I just really love how they introduce that character, you know, the cat. Like, I forgot about him because, uh, you know, the, they they enchant him at the beginning of the movie and then later on, you know, he comes back. And, uh, you know, you just it, it's, you just forget that that's a thing. And then suddenly the cat jumps on them and it's like, you know, nice going, Max. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. He was dubbed, you know. What do you mean he was dubbed? He was dubbed. It wasn't a real cat talking? No, I mean the... the... <laughs> No, because I always found that the uh, that the kid playing Thackeray Binks when he's in kid form is uh, his Thackeray Binks. Thackeray, yes, that's what I said. I know. Um, his his mouth movement doesn't always uh, match a hundred percent because he was dubbed by another actor for oh, some I see. reason, and that's very strange because it's not something that that really happens 
well, I say nowadays, but also in the 90s, it never really happened. Just interested as to why. You find out think, and you tell me. I think it was to do with his accent, but I, that's okay. why I was checking my notes. Why, I was thought, he German? I thought I had it written down. <laughs> no, he was uh, he was American, but he um, the uh, the guy that, um, that dubbed him over could do a slightly more British accent. I, I see. Was. Not a very good one, though, so... No, but uh, but good enough. Yeah. But you know, on on par with well, probably you know, probably better than than Fear Street Part Three. I actually haven't seen that yet. It's on my wish list. You haven't on, seen uh, Netflix. You, did you watch any of them? No. Ah, okay. I'm 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 on it. Don't worry. Okay, so check it out and tell me what you think. I will. All it's right. a, it's Halloween month. I was saving it for uh, Ooh. for the dark the darkness and the Very fear. Good. I um, watched Malignant the other day, which was absolutely fucking bonkers. But we'll get to that another time. I really want to watch that as That's well now. You've, uh, you've upset me with the bonkers thing. Um, why, why have I upset you with the bonkers because, thing? Because it just, it makes me go, what does he mean by bonkers? Now I have to watch it and think and see if, if it's actually bonkers or if it's maybe a bit bananas. It's, well, I mean, it, yeah. Speaking of which, the dad jokes in this movie are fantastic. <laughs> it's dead, Dula. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, that guy, by the way, that's what I was looking up, by the way. Um, go on. When we, uh, when we were watching the movie. Uh, it's uh, the guy's name is Charles Rocket, who plays the father. That's a great name, right? Um, he passed away in two thousand five. Um, yeah, but um, wait, wait. I realized Moment of silence. Okay. Sorry, are we done? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> I realized where I know him from. No, he's Nicholas from uh, Dumb and Dumber. He's the uh, the guy that's the main bad guy. Oh my! Right. Fucking. God, that blew my fecking mind. <laughs> An actor right. acting in more than one thing. <laughs> Who would have thought? Okay, kill him. <laughs> Brilliant. There you go. Um, tick. I can tick diddly 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 do. Oh, um, you know when uh, Sarah Jessica Parker eats a spider? Yes. She eats a spider. That was an actual spider. That was an actual spider. Okay, that's why you were. That's why you were. That's why I. I was like. Because I'd read it, right, and, then and then when saw I saw it. it, and I was like, <gasps> like the crunch, it's just gross. But amazing that she did that. I just think it's really cool. Yeah. Like, that's we were talking about it just a minute ago, about, you know, she, she really goes for it. She does. She uh, apparently was so comfortable on the broomstick that she used to fall asleep up there. <laughs> In the harness, In yeah. In the harness, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, because everybody everybody that's always talked about being in a, in a flying harness they always says it. It un- it's uncomfortable. And... Yeah. That's really funny. I'm going to look for that now. <laughs> you want to um, talk about some trivia? Go on then. Okay. <clears throat> trivia corner. The animatronic cat would later be used in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I did not know that. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Salem, Salem. Black cat. Black, Black cat. cat. Yeah. Yeah. All good. Oh, Got any more? Ew. Okay. So, <laughs> so this is... I, 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 I read all this before, I, uh, before we saw the movie, but now that I've seen it, I'm kind of grossed out by this. Doug Jones... <laughs> is this said, the moth thing yeah the moths were actually real that yeah. came out of his mouth so I actually have a little bit of trivia on that one for you okay so the um, the moths basically what what he had was some kind of compartment that's uh, maybe this is wrong but like I watched a, a video about you know him and his makeup and all of that thing is that he had like a compartment in his in inside the mouthpiece right uh, where the moths were sitting 
So I don't think he, he had. had a, I don't like think a, he had a, a a chance of swallowing them. He also had like some some latex over his lips. As yeah, well, he did. Of, yeah, and and so he he cuts it open, and then you know the moths and the dust they come out. He actually he actually did that, and everyone on set was really impressed. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of like you know that and Jessica Parker eating the spider is like, uh, you know, right. But uh, yeah. when we talk about Doug Jones for a second, Doug fucking Jones. I wanted to. I've written here in my notes, Doug Jones is brilliant. He is the man. As always. He's For anybody who doesn't know, he's uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, go-to Monster guy man. for monsters. Uh, he was the pale man and the, the fauno. In, fauno pa- in, uh, in Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Uh, um, he was uh, Ape Sapien. Star Trek uh, Discovery. Star Trek Discovery, right. Um, as a... Uh, Saru, Cap- uh, yeah. well now Captain Saru. Spoilers, oh, spoilers, spoilers. Um, but uh, like he's, uh, in, he's all the ghosts in uh, in Crimson Peak. Oh, he is all the ghosts yeah, in yeah. Crimson Peak. That's right. Uh, so, like, but he's he's just here's the thing. Forget about roles where you can't really see him, right? Like as in or the Angel of Death in Hellboy Two. Those ones, you know, you can. He he gives each one its own character, but right. like in a movie like this. Um, where he's not really playing a monster, like he's playing a monster, but yeah, he's, he's also he's playing no, but he's playing a corpse with character that also that turns out to be like an ally towards right. the end. So he really does sort of um, tread an interesting line between sort of bumbling and falling over and whatnot, and also being um, you know kind of like a little creepy and also really fun. You know, he, when he's, he's an incredible the end. performer, and I just think that his physical comedy and his physical performance is like that's the thing. He's a very physical actor, and he's, he's brilliant. Right. I just, I just think it's great, and and you know, it, the, there's all sorts of stuff there that it, you know when his head gets knocked off, so it's actually a uh, female stump woman uh, inside the uh, the sort of headless corpse suit, it's not actually cool. him, which is cool. Um, crawling around on the floor for the for the head which I think is really cool um and uh and speaking of you know things like that scene in in the uh in the graveyard where where they bring him to life the wire work there is it's all the wire work is really really good and it's actually those three actresses on on the wires and right. you know apart from apart from certain I, I don't know if you want to do like CG corner or VFX corner, so, but like I have so, a yeah. lot to say about the VFX, and I can either do them in order or we can do them like. Okay, know, so I have it written ones. here that um, this was the first Disney production to use digital effects. Do you want to elaborate on that? So it is. Here's the thing: I always get a little bit iffy about people saying that, and I know that the 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 guy who worked on it in an interview <laughs> says that it's like the first time that Disney is using CGI. But it seems to me that every time I watch a behind-the-scenes of a movie in the 90s, they're going, we're the first movie to use so, CGI. So the thing is, Disney did use uh, CGI in, uh, in Beauty and the Beast. And that was in 1991. Yeah. But that's an animated movie. So I... I... Here's the thing. The, what they did is um, Thackeray Binks is a cat, and they had like 19 different cat actors. Uh, little Little cats that did different things. Like, there were ones that could... Um, you know, sit on the kids' laps. There were one. There was ones that were good at jumping. Ones that were just good at running. That could sit up uh, still and and look in certain directions. They had all sorts of different um, different cats, and uh, the kids each time had to um, you know get trained in how to you know work with the different cats. Um, but cats you know, you you couldn't. <laughs> 
probably because like they're very uh, they're very haughty creatures you're you're not a cat person are you so i'm really not a cat person <laughs> i i i feel physically sick when i'm in the room with a cat because i have allergies to them i i wanted a thackeray binks though so did i when i was a actually kid, now that i, I think a about cat it that could talk now that i think about it it's got an immortal um child in it so, so no thank you very maybe, much maybe not mm. yeah also yeah, yeah. a child that's mid-puberty from the looks of the beginning of the movie so yeah Anyway, moving on. So the the thing about the the CGI here is that they had to find a way to make the cat look like it could talk. And this is by no means the only movie that will use CGI to replace an animal's head. Um, you know, in the Homeward Doctor Doolittle, yeah, Homeward Bound, Doctor Doolittle, and all the right. all the movies that that have this. But they're all using a very similar technique, uh, which is you know head replacement. Um, some of them actually just remove the mouths. Um, but what they had to do is they had to match move with very match moving is where you um, you know take a three D element and you match its movement to the movement of the um, actor on set or you know uh, it's also known as uh, tracking. But the point is is that um, th- why it's so impressive is because yes, it is one of the first instances of a movie doing this with live action and uh, you know on top of a live cat. Uh, replacing the head with a CG head, which, by the way, has to have uh, correct-looking fur. The fur has to react to the lighting in the same way that the cat's underneath it is, you know, its fur is reacting to the lighting, and it does usually do that. But the thing is, is that it's a little bit wobbly at times. Um, and... Well, of course. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a technology in its infancy in the 90s, uh, in 93. I mean, the, the Jurassic Park was, uh, they were discovering that as they went along, yeah. and they were, they were really shocked that it looked as good as it did. And and there's there's some things here that that look really really good, and there are some things that are a little bit off that kind of kill the the vibe, which is you know the the, the cat's head is a little bit stiff in most of the shots where there's a head replacement for the cat, uh, which is any shot where it's talking, um, you know. So the head is very stiff, its neck isn't moving as much, and you know there are some shots where it is, but you know those are the ones I, where I would you imagine can really that, see the seams. I would imagine that there are some shots that they would have used the animatronic cat from the, the aforementioned. Yeah, yeah. Cat. So there are some shots where you can see. The that they have a little bit cat. more control over, um, over the movie. But overall, how would they have done motion tracking in 1992, 93? Because nowadays, so, you know, you, you go into After Effects, you click track, and it tracks the yeah. movement. So also in in 3D programs like Blender, what you would do is you would um, you know set up a um, you know your footage, and you'd sort of say here's where the 3D camera is, and you're tracking points on the footage. Um, and basically what that does is the computer's doing like an algorithm where it's figuring out where those points are throughout the shot, meaning it's tracking, you know, um, X, Y, and Z space throughout the course right. of time. And, you know, those those tracking points are usually sometimes if you see like in a movie um, that a character has like dots on their face, that's usually... In so behind they the can, scenes. Or, or, or in behind the scenes. Sorry, Hopefully or, not in the movie itself. Or, you know... Someone's getting you, fired. If you see a, um, you know, a soundstage with, uh, with pluses... With, made out of duct tape or you right. know, X's, those are tracking points tracking because points. they are of high um, uh, saturation and, and contrast. Uh, contrast. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. High contrast, and um, you know, those are what's used to to create convincing tracking shots. I'm not sure if this is interesting or not, but the the point is that, um, no. The point is it would have been really really hard. They and, and they had about... to do it using uh, a lot of handcrafted work, and it from the looks of the few behind the scenes shots that I've seen of them doing this. 
there's a lot of like figuring out of maths, right. like algorithms. Like it looks like they're doing that stuff themselves. So it seems that 3D artists back in the 90s had to have a much different skill set from someone like me who has no mathematical genius whatsoever. Well, I, I feel that way also about um, about shooting on digital. That I, you know, I shoot uh, I shoot onto cards, and I'm, you know, it's it's the lighting is very different. You see what you what you're going to get. Yeah, uh, you're able to preview it, and and shooting on film. Uh, you know, back in the day, was probably extremely nerve wracking because you didn't know what was gonna what it was gonna look like. Yeah. You had to be uh, very confident and and, and very proficient. knowledgeable and uh, you know about the about the uh, about lighting and about the film stock and about the camera you were using, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, whereas nowadays, most people don't even give a second thought to that kind of thing because what you see is what you get. Exactly. Um, but it's it just interests me that. Uh, th- Probably at some point we're gonna do um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, and I, I remember have so much to say oh, about that. So Not even a joke. I remember seeing some behind the scenes about how they uh, how they originally wanted to do every shot with locked an animated down. character locked down. Yeah, and then they decided, you know what? Why don't we move the camera? Let's move the camera. It, How it wasn't, in the hell did they it do wasn't that just in 1987? That. Richard, Richard Williams, who is the animator on that movie, I right. won't. I really won't go into it too much because I don't want to take up right. a lot of time on this. But um, just to answer the question of of he he was the one. You know, they were like, oh well, you know, we we couldn't really move the camera, and he was like, yeah, you can because you know we can kind of figure out what you know. Uh, we we are supposed to be able to see these two D characters in three D dimensions, you know, three dimensions when we when we draw them. And he's like, he I think there's even an interview with him where he says, you know, it's it's about not being lazy. You know, it's hard work. It's a lot of hard work. But he's like, it can be done. And it and he he freed up um, you know Robert Zemeckis to do what yeah. he wanted to do. Right. Um, so you know, th- th- there's. There's a lot of you had really lock down the camera for our movie. I know I did, but that was because not because I was lazy, but I was just not proficient in in what I was doing. Nowadays, I would I would say do what you want and I'll work around it. Right. But you still would have to work within the constraints of what I can do, and also the issue is that our DP <laughs> refused to lock the camera down. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I I ended up doing a lot of camera tracking for your movie as well. By the way, mm-hmm. like there there was I don't think there was a single shot where I didn't have to track the camera. Uh, even right. uh, apart from apart from the shot with the factory in the background, the the CGI factory that I had to put in, right. um, that was locked down. But there were a lot of shots where there was uh, there was supposed to be uh, it was supposed to be locked down. But that was because I was just very very new to it and very nervous about um, you know the amount of time that I had to figure out the stuff that I had to figure out. It was also quite a big deal that we yeah. were, you know that we were doing that many effects. Yeah, and that there was actual CG and compositing going on. Right, but. I digress. The point is, is that the CGI head replacement doesn't quite hold up, but it's really, really impressive for the time. And if we're already talking about like VFX and stuff like that, I love the lightning effects. It's so difficult to so to make that, that look CG good. Is that CG or is it or is it an optical? I think it's an optical, and I also and I, I think see, it's hand drawn. You can see the, the the um the contrast and the colors change when they. Uh, Layer pieces of film one on top of each other, yeah. Um, and it, obviously the, the sure clarity, the detail it's, gets a little bit washed it's out. It's not CG, but it is. Visual I love effects. that stuff. It's the uh, it's the emperor, the force lightning. It's it's VFX and right. it's it's, but it's got that Disney animated look to it. Like when she uh when when Winnie the shadow in um, the uh, on the trees in the beginning. Also, yeah. Also, 
um, she she does this thing where she says you there right, right. And, and you know she's lightning him across lightninging him across a room it's a word and um, you know she, she does this thing where, where she very lazily like zaps him one more time right. and if you if you were to watch that frame by frame you see that there's like a lens flare that like comes out of yeah. you know her and that's hand drawn and and it's like very well done and it, you know the rest of the scene also lights up and you know it's it's like i i guess that they're fake they 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 fake the lighting somehow with that like you know nowadays if if you normally if you have like some kind of visual effect what not nowadays just anytime you're making a movie and you're doing visual effects and you have something that would affect the scene do you remember in the um uh, in the Dream Factory, this is this is uh, Johnny and his wife Mech's um, uh, short film that I worked on. Um, I I had us um, putting red lights. Yeah. Um, because you know we wanted the red. So we wanted it. We wanted to look like a uh, a magic pill floating in a jar. Exactly, and so, so we suspended so we have... um, with uh, uh, clear plastic. Uh, wire mm-hmm. um these little led lights inside the jar exactly and then he'd paint out the wire and repa- replace and, the and uh, what was so what was so cool about that was that the light refraction that you would right, get obviously. inside of the glass was actually happening right, right? so so I, I i think that there's also some some instances of like a gun uh flashbang like you know like you you have like the flash the muzzle flash right um and so t- they light up like the actor's face or something in post right um so you know i i think that they lit up the scene in post a little bit i'm not sure that's a guess of mine in in, in this movie but there's some really cool stuff like you know like little sparks flying off when it when it you know hits a character it's 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 really well done you can just tell that there's like 2D animation going on here that's that sits really well within i think within the scene that's my opinion right um and uh you know there's other there's like some bum smoke effects you know like in the movie uh, yeah like coming, coming out, out, the, out chimney. the chimney yeah um but other than that i just really i feel sometimes when i'm i want to buy old, a book for my child yes <laughs> <laughs> i love how she winnie when she comes out of the oven Right. She's, She's speaking, speaking French. French. <laughs> I want to buy a book. <laughs> so funny. Um, so I was doing some reading, um, and I, I found some really intricate details that they put into this thing. Um, for example, the uh, the teacher in the classroom mm-hmm. uh, kind of makes fun of him for his tie dye shirt. Mm-hmm. Okay, and apparently the tie dye are the same colors of each of the witches: green for Winifred, purple for Sarah, and red for Mary. That's brilliant. That is. Really interesting. Very, yeah, it's interesting, but it's also very obscure. And it's like, it's the kind of detail that uh, the production designers and prop masters and, uh, or prop mistresses, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and costume designers put into these things that are very, it's the, the kind of thing that you, you wouldn't notice unless you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still gives that, that sort of extra dimension. Um, and also the fact that uh, the stitches keeping Billy's mouth shut are sewn in the pattern of XIII, the Roman numerals for 13. Oh, cool. And I didn't notice that while we were watching it, but I've I'm reading it here now. Indeed. Trivia Corner. Trivia Corner. That's really cool. I love that. I love that there's like those little, yeah, you know, things little bits and woven pieces. into it. Um, I did think that there was a bit of a story fumble. 
um, towards the end of the movie. Because we were just talking about the oven and how they burn the witches in the oven in the high school. Right. In the kiln. Um, And uh, I thought it was a bit odd that they knew that the witches were going to the high school or that the witches knew to go to the high school because that's where children are. Yeah. Um, Like, I I thought it was a little bit weird. Like, it's... They, they play for laughs a lot of the way through the movie that the witches aren't of this time period and therefore everything freaks them out. Like when, you know, the firemen come, you know, they scream right. and, and the, the bus driver comes and she's like, ah, you know, it freaks right. out. But then um, you mentioned something that I'm never going to be able to unsee. Which is? The microphones. Right, yeah. So in, in the big musical number, um, I put a spell on you, um, the witches come up on stage and... They start singing, and uh, Sarah and Mary backup are singing <laughs> back up into microphones. And I said to Johnny, "How, how would know? they know what yeah. microphones do?" But like again, you have to you have to let it go, and you have to. No, but these, to this is yeah, this is ride. all bullshit. It's not. It's uh, rubbish. Yeah. It's absolutely rubbish. The the one thing that that did take me out of the movie, the only thing that took me out of the movie, and maybe you'll laugh at me for this, was the lecherous bus driver. Yeah. It bugged me. I, I was like, I don't think you could get away with doing that in a movie you could, today. You couldn't get away with that in the movie today. And and we, you know, as we said, uh, we're listening to uh, to the Bond and Friends podcast. Yeah. And there's uh, um, there's uh, somebody on there called uh, Lisa, what's Funnel. her name? Lisa Dr. Funnel. Dr. Funnel. Dr. Lisa Funnel. And she talks about um, all of these different uh, connotations that, uh, that you, obviously you have to take these movies um, as part of the time that they were made in, yeah, and it's very important to take them in context. But uh, but she talks about how you know the connotations of the the various sort of lecherous acts and the you know Bond forcing himself yeah. on women, etc. 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 It's very very interesting. I, I highly recommend you check it out if you're into Bond, and even if you're not. I think not? it's just a very well put together podcast. Yeah. But she makes me think about a lot of things, and also right. you know I have. So what you know, I would I, say, I've, I've become a lot more aware of this stuff recently. Yeah, um, you know, cause I think been, everybody has. Uh, yeah, no, sure, but like, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things that really took me out of the movie. Right. The things that he was saying, and the way he was saying it, and also how they, you know, just didn't bat an eyelid. But that's what I'm saying. If, if uh, I was just going to say, if uh, Dr. Lisa Funnel was here, she would probably say that uh, that the the women in question were never in any danger uh, because they are. Powerful, yeah, which is um, yeah. the issue is that uh, that he never gets any sort of comeuppance or anything like that. I don't think that he's necessarily he doesn't need an to, evil but, uh, character that he's needs not. to comeuppance. But it's so. something it's something that you see in a lot of the, in a lot of movies of the day and um, and also recent movies as well, which is why people are starting to crack down on this kind of thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's something that he can be lecherous and he can you know and and just sort of get away with it. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, it, 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 it. There's several problems with it, just because. Okay, well, this is what we're saying. You know, a bus driver is like, um, you know. But the, yeah, I think yeah. also, I, I think I, I really like what you just said about you know her, you know, them being powerful, and you know they were using him, which is you know really interesting. Uh, what we desire is children, right? Um, and he's like, I think I. Could. It's also quite an adult joke for a kids movie. Yeah. It'll take me a couple of tries, but I don't think that's going to be a problem. How many times do they say the word virgin in this movie? A lot. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, that was another thing that took me out of it a little bit was that, you know, um, they go to a guy who's, it turns out, is just dressed up as a, because it takes place on Halloween, as he's just co-op. dressed up as a co-op. And, um, you know, there's like this, 
this moment where, you know, it's like, I'm a virgin and I lit the black flame candle and, you know, the witches came back and then he takes him aside and he goes, are you really a virgin? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, really? And it's like, you're talking to like a 16, 17 year old kid here. Like, wouldn't it be, like I don't know. Why are you encouraging him? To, why are you telling him that's a bad thing? Right. But that that was the thing. I, I, I'm not sure if it, this movie was necessarily the culprit, but... Um... But there was definitely, in, in my school, there was a lot of shaming about that kind of thing. What, and being I, a virgin? Yeah, and I don't think people really understood necessarily what the what it meant. I mean, they knew what it meant, but um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think that uh, the media and uh, movies and TV, movies and TV of the time really, especially like you watch things like Seinfeld and Friends where these characters, no matter how um, ridiculous they are and how uh, repellent they may be, <laughs> Um, or even abusive uh, in some cases yeah. that's played for laughs. Um, they're having sex all the time. Every yeah. episode, Ross is, uh, you know, is, is, you know, taking out another girl. Yeah. Um, and it was definitely a thing that, you know, in school that you had to, you know, if you weren't a certain type of cool person or jock or whatever it was that, uh, you know, you'd always get made fun of that no girls want ever want to, going to want to touch you. Um, yeah. the, the, I mean, I, I would say that there's definitely issues with... Uh, not something that I would have necessarily noticed then, but now in hindsight that um, people get influenced and people uh, people definitely um, use it as bully fuel. Yeah, I think that there's a. It's always going to be um, you know that push me pull you between uh, you know the the whole okay well how is this going to affect how you know kids see it and how how will right. kids react to this to we have something that we're trying to do and we're going to do it right you know like the art versus you know the um consequences of that art right but i don't necessarily think that they had to drive that point home so hard that he's a virgin i think that right. they 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 had it you know happen when he lit the candle and that was kind of enough to let us know that he's actually a virgin right. It's not something that that I've ever really thought about. And I also didn't think that when we were talking about this movie that we'd bring up things like this. So it's very interesting. I wanted to ask you something yeah. in in the spirit of uh, wrapping this up. Yeah. Um, so you watch it with the lens of um, nostalgia. Right. Right. But do you recommend this to people listening to the podcast? Do you recommend that they go and watch the movie? That's the thing. I have a fog. I I have rose-tinted glasses. I have absolutely no idea if somebody else is going to like this, which is why we got self-conscious when Shosh was sitting next to us. You know, it is a silly uh, family movie uh, set at Halloween. But, I mean, there's, there's uh, there's the nostalgia of it. There's that sort of amblin suburban dreamscape, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a, you know, you're a kid, um, without very many friends, living in London, um, with parents most likely not as cool as the uh, the parents depicted in the movie. And parents who leave their kids alone while well, one of them actually... is a psychotic sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> Callback. I always dreamed about living in that kind of neighborhood. You've got the, the sort of autumn leaves. Um, yeah. There's a similar kind of scene in uh, in big... Actually, in, in a lot of movies that I used to watch growing up, that in Big you've got the the scene where he goes back to uh, he goes back to his uh, childhood childhood home. He's still a child, mm. but he's like he's watching his home and uh, he's watching the kids playing in the in the park. And there's all these like autumn leaves all over all over the ground, and you know it all looks like very beautiful and very pastel. And um, 
so I, I always uh, I always enjoyed that. I always liked the uh, the Halloweenness of it all because we want a loud Halloween at home. In the same way, we used to watch Christmas movies because Christmas was banned. You know, we grew up in a Jewish household, and it was uh, it was always considered to be you know not Jewish enough <laughs> or, or not at all. Jewish yeah, no, bad. but like it, it's something that um, that for some reason my dad thought it threatened the Jewishness of the household, yeah. um, and I don't really understand why. But anyway. Um, so, so I always used to dream about, about living in that world. So in that respect, it's like slipping into a, to a dream. It's, uh, yeah. you know, it's a, it's, a, you know, I, I think most kids my age had a crush on Vanessa Shaw. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I'll save you some time, dear listeners. Uh, most of the movies that we talk about that have leading ladies that I used to watch when I was younger, I probably had a crush on them. <laughs> There's a good chance. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think, I think that, yeah, all the way through the movie is going like, I had a thing for her. It's a little bit of fun. I think it's all right every once in a while to kick up your feet and watch something that's maybe a little bit silly. It doesn't have like, you know, all the continuity that you want. You know, there's a few like lapses in logic, but it's just a bit of fun and it's a bit of a laugh. Just a and bit I, of sport, Miranda. Just a bit of, sp- <laughs> just a bit of sport, Miranda. And I just think that, you know, I definitely... Um, recommend this movie to people. If you're in the mood for a Halloween movie that's a little bit lighter than something like an actual horror movie, like you want you want something you you you've just watched Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values, and you want something with a similar kind of flavor to it. Right. Watch this movie. It's that kind um, of dark comedy kind of thing. You know, it's it's that same kind of whirlwind of you know fun and silly and darkness and um, you know. That that thing that takes you back to when you right. were eight. I actually went to Salem um, with Mich when we were in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we didn't really have a lot of time there. Uh, but a lot of those exterior shots, uh, Allison's home yeah. and the high school and things like that were actually shot in Salem. Yeah. Um, and I'm fairly certain that there are quite a few, uh, you know, the, the rest of it is, is mainly sound stages and probably shot in California or whatever. Um, but we went to the uh, to the Witch Museum, which was, um, which was very interesting. It's basically uh, a bunch of sort of Madame Tussauds style mannequins. Oh, really? You sit in the middle of the room on a bench, and it goes around the room. So the spotlight's on the first scene, and mm. uh, and there's like a voiceover and actors like uh, you know sort of acting out the roles, um, you know, in voiceover. Uh, there's no actual like physical anything. It's just static. And it talks about the the Salem witch trials and that that kind of thing. It's incredibly cheesy. I think it's been there for a very 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 long time. I really want to um, go see it, now. but it is. Awesome! I loved every second of it. I really, I really want to go see that now. Yeah, I, I, I just Take wanted, me, I wanted a little bit more time there so I could go around and see the the Hocus Pocus locations, but mm. um, we we didn't have the time. I really, uh, I really, I'm really glad that we watched this movie. It's, uh, it always puts me in a good mood. Thank you for coming and talking to me and watching a film with me. I always enjoy this. Please tell us what you'd like us to watch next, and we will try and listen to what you're saying. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening. This has been What's Our Seat Number. And I've been Johnny Gross. And I've been Simon Gross. Good night. A 3D artist. Uh, Not a 3D graphic designer. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.
Saucy number?